Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. Uh, so here we are. So this week and next, we're going to be wrapping up our series, Divine Direction. I don't know about you, but I have been deeply challenged uh, week after week after week, even as I'm speaking here to you, uh, just what God is uh, wanting to do within each one of our lives. Um, how many of you have friends? Okay, some of you are a little slow on, uh, on the uptake there, raising your hand. That's okay. Maybe by the end of today, we'll have a chance to fix that. Uh, I look back at the friends that I have or have had in the past, and uh, uh, how many of you are still friends with friends you had like in junior high or elementary school, like way back there? Wow, that is incredible. I don't think I know where any of my <laughs> friends are from way back then. But anyway, uh, that's sad in itself, but okay. Um, but I remember back in junior high and early couple of years of high school, the friends that I had uh, were not the greatest friends and the greatest influence in my life. Uh, there were things that I did and things I partook in and all of that stuff through those years, uh, all because there was a group of friends, we stuck together and we did all these things. Uh, like one of the things that we did was um, found a craps, craps table and uh, learned how to uh, kind of be the house and uh, made lots of money off of our friends. So that is a great, um, <laughs> great thing. Realized relatively quickly after coming to the Lord that I probably shouldn't go down that road. That's not the road I need to go down as a, uh, as a high schooler. And so spent probably about a year and a half in transition in my own life when it came to following after Christ, uh, where it was kind of a lonely time. Didn't have uh, friends. I, I was here in, uh, at Salt Lake. Uh, went to a Brighton High School. And really, my, my junior, uh, junior year was pretty lonely not having friends because uh, God was kind of stripping away the old person of who I was and creating something new and started going to uh, church and actually meaning something in my life at that point. Uh, and had a great friend named Matt who was with me through uh, the my, last of my junior, uh, junior year in high school through uh, my senior year. Just a great friend, kind of sharing the heart things of life with him, and it was uh, just a wonderful time in my life. And then obviously growing through uh, ministry years and all of that, some people that I can hold on to that are great friends. But here's the thing. When we connect with another person, we become a conduit for their values and beliefs and decisions. I don't know if you know that or not. But our friends deeply impact who we become. It's not an isolation that we have friends. They start to influence the way that we believe, the way that we behave, the way that uh, we interact with the world around us. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I was a companion of fools. Back in junior high, there's no doubt about that. But whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you stick close to people who are wise, it is going to rub off in your life. If you hang out with people who are godly, you're, you're likely to grow closer to the God. If you become close friends who make good decisions, chances are you will also begin to make good decisions in your own life. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. But there are pressures on relationship in our culture. I don't know if you feel this or not, but there are tremendous pressures. People's lives are messy. Point to your friend and say, you're messy. <laughs> right? Now point back to the other person and say, you're messy. <laughs> right? Okay? We recognize that there's a messiness to life 
And this is why it's absolutely essential that we have friends that could be in our messy lives. But in that regard, that might be why it's difficult to make and keep friends. Because our lives aren't all put together. But according to the American Sociological Review, a quarter of Americans, that's about 80 million people, say that they have zero close friends. Think about that just for a moment. A quarter of Americans have zero close friends. We need friends. Desperately. Because friends, I believe, will help us as we follow after Christ. So, so why is it difficult? There are kind of four major factors here as we go through these quickly. Um, and I say that for myself. We go through this quickly. It's just to remind me to go through them quickly. So as we go through them quickly. Uh, number one, people are working more. The dollar goes less, I don't know if you know, but the dollar goes less than what it, uh, what it used to go for, right? And so it's called inflation, right? And so you have to work longer to get the same amount of buying value, and so we have to work more. And so developing friends outside of work becomes difficult, and so a lot of our friends happen inside of our, of our employment. They become those to whom we are the closest uh, with. And so we leave work, and then we come home to our homes, and we open the garage door, if you have a garage, and then you close the garage door, and your, your curtains are drawn, and your life is without friends outside of work. And so because we work more, there are challenges to have friends. Second thing is people are moving more frequently. And so we don't have the opportunities to build and develop those friendships that maybe we used to have. Now, how many of you have moved within the last five years? Raise your hand real quickly. Yeah, it's about the same as first service, right? So uh, in the last five years, keep the hands raised for just a moment. So that means for everybody who's raised their hand in the last five years, even if you have moved neighborhoods, you've had to change neighbors. Some of you have had to change jobs. Some of you have had to change states in which you live. And so all of your friend base has changed. That's happened to Shelly and I in the last year. I mean, we were in Illinois for 12 years at the same home. And so we knew all of our neighbors, knew, knew obviously all the staff that we worked with, all the people we were friends with from the church. And a year ago, all of that changed. And so developing new friends and getting to know our neighbors and inviting them over for dinner and all those things. But people move more frequently. Another challenge that we have is people are getting divorced more often. And, you know, with divorce comes a tearing of relationship, not only of the spouses, but beyond that are the friends that they used to have. Now, all of a sudden, there's a weirdness factor that's been entered into all of this, and those friends slowly disappear as well. And divorce happens more often. And then the final thing is people are talking more online and less in person. People are talking more online and less in person. And I know I give the online world a, a difficult ride at times, and uh, there, are, there are some really good things that can happen, and we can stay connected uh, with people like we do right on Facebook or Instagram or things like that, and we have a, a connection with them, but it is not the same as a physical friendship. Part of this is that many people carefully filter what they share with others online and then that makes them equally careful what they share with people in real life. <laughs> and so we become guarded in our friendships and our relationships. And our culture feels this. And even though we are connected, yet we feel lonelier than ever. 
Studies show this time and time and time and time again that we can be the most connected and have the most friends online, and yet that does not equal connection in the real world. So we have to be really careful with all of this. So based on where you are right now, the decision that you most need to make may be to connect with someone else. Because, believe it or not, you could be one friend away from changing your direction for the rest of your life. And God might be able to use these folks in your life. So as we look at friendship, we're going to take a look at three kinds of friends that you need in your life. And then on the flip side of it, the three kinds of friends that you need to be, the kind of friend that you need to be to the people around you. Hopefully this will be very practical for you today. Number one, you need a friend to challenge you and bring out your best. You need a friend to challenge you and bring out your best. In the Old Testament, in the books of uh, First and Second Samuel, there's a prophet whose name is Samuel. And at, at this one point, um, he uh, anointed a new king. His name was Saul. That didn't work out so well for the nation of Israel. And so a new king needs to be appointed. And so Samuel goes to this, uh, to this village in Bethlehem, uh, named Bethlehem, and he goes to a guy by the name of Jesse who's got seven sons. And he goes through the first six sons trying to anoint this king, and none of those six are the king. And he goes to Jesse, says, all right, uh, you've got any other kids or any other sons because this isn't working out? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse says, I've got a son. He's out there in the field with the sheep. That's where he is. He's way out there forgotten. That's where he is. And Samuel says, well, we're not going to sit down. We're not going to eat. We're not going to do anything until David gets here. So please go send somebody quickly. And uh, so David eventually shows up. And uh, remember, David is out there in the field. He's got an important job, obviously, taking care of the flocks. But when uh, Jesse called all of his sons together, he didn't bother calling David. And so you need a friend just like what Samuel was to David because really, and this is God's direction, when Samuel saw David, he said, David, you are the one. God has chosen you. You need a friend that believes in you at times when you don't believe in yourself. Have you ever had that moment when you feel like that you are kind of worthless and down and you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and you've got a friend that just calls you out of the blue and says, hey, thinking about you, praying for you. Let's go get some coffee. Let's go get some lunch. Let's go get something. Man, that totally changes the way that you view your, your current circumstance. So you need to get closer to God, connect with the right person who can help. It's kind of like this. If you want a good marriage, there's nothing like befriending a couple that has a good marriage, right? Because if you want a good marriage, go find somebody who's got a good marriage and then watch what they do. Listen to what they say and talk to them and say, how do you do this? Same sort of thing as parents, right? Go to someone. Like if you want to become a better parent, find somebody who's got great children that have graduated from high school, graduated from college, and are serving the Lord, go find them, sit down with them, and talk to them about what made them great parents. Now, more than likely, the humility of a great parent is going to show up, oh, you know, we're not real sure, we just love Jesus, and all this stuff. But you start talking to them, and you're going to realize they did something right on a regular basis in the life of their children to lead their children in such a way. And so I'm like, I want to get close to people like that so I can be a better parent. Bible says you walk with the wise, you're going to grow wise. You want to start a new business? Who do you go hang out with and become a friend with? Somebody who successfully started a new business. 
Uh, if you want to learn how to handle your finances better, don't find somebody who's got millions of dollars in debt, <laughs> right? Don't find somebody who's undisciplined in their spending. Find somebody who's successful in their finances. Befriend them. And I believe that God will answer that prayer of yours. You say, God, I need help in my life right now. Bring somebody alongside of me who can help me. I believe God will do that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. <laughs> I've got a knife. It's a well-used knife. And uh, so I attempt to sharpen my knives on a, you know, when I'm getting ready to use it, I, I try to sharpen a knife. Now, I'm not very good at it, I just got to tell you. And when I'm done sharpening the knife, it's almost as difficult to cut through the meat as it was to begin with. But I try, right? So... I remember watching my father, uh, my, my stepdad, a number of, uh, number of years ago, we're up in Montana, and he's got, you know, he just, he's got like the perfect knives. You, ever, you know somebody like that who's got like the perfect knives, and they, you know, just like looks at meat in the meat cuts. I mean, that's just kind of the thing. And, uh, and I got to thinking about this, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Sometimes your friend's great on you. <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to do uh, with a knife, by the way. You don't do that when you're trying to sharpen it. What you do is you've got to take great care, be at the right angle, and that repeated uh, kind of sharpening begins to happen in there, and you've got to follow the curve. I'm doing this horribly. I know people are like, what is wrong with you, Pastor? You have no idea what you're doing, right? So you do this the right way repeatedly. John is cringing every time I do this, I think, right? And so you do this repeatedly. What happens? Pretty soon, your knife is incredibly sharp. We need people in our lives who are going to help make us sharp. If all the friends that you have create a dullness in your life when it comes to your spiritual walk, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, you need to reevaluate their influence in your life. Now, it's not to say we should not have friends who are outside of faith. In fact, I believe the Bible reveals we better have friends who are outside of faith. We have to be in that, right? Because God has sent us to a dark world. We have to do this. But if your primary influence in your life are people that dull you spiritually, please, please, please consider gaining some new friends who are going to help sharpen you as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Second type of friend that you need to be is a friend uh, to help you find strength in God and grow in your faith. To find strength in God and grow in your faith. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 23. It says, while David was at Horus, so this is the same David we talked about a minute ago, while David was at Horus in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul, who was the king at the time, had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, so the king's son, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. So you need friends in your life who are going to strengthen you when you are down. When you are facing temptation in your life, you need a friend who's going to come help you grow in your faith. Remember a time a number of years ago, we were up in Minneapolis and got a call from a really good friend of mine who lived in the, uh, lived in the city not too far from us. And he called me at about 1 a.m. in the morning. And I had told, I mean, I told all my friends, hey, call me. If you're up against them, call, call, call. About 1 a.m. in the morning, he said, hey, Rich, he said, we need to go for a ride. And so I went and picked him up. And we drove around for about an hour to about two in the morning, uh, talking together, praying together. He was up against a real, real significant temptation in his life and just really needed to get out of that circumstance. And so we prayed together and to kind of walk through this time in his life. And that's the kind of friend, right, that we need to have. And I'll let you know there are times in my life I've called people at 1 a.m. and said, hey, 
I'm facing a temptation right now. I'm facing a struggle right now. I need you to pray with me. I need that kind of friend right now. We need that kind of friend. And David, when he was in the cave uh, there, when he was at Horesh, in this desert, in a cave, kind of isolated by himself, it's then that the king's son comes to him and says, David, we're going to take care of this. I'm going to be here with you and provide strength for you. That's the kind of friend that we need to have. And the last one is a friend uh, to tell you the truth, especially when you don't want to hear it. That's the kind of friend that you desperately need in your life. David, we keep going back to David here. David, uh, real quick story. Um, we find the story in, uh, in 2 Samuel. Uh, but David, when he's, he's a king, he's supposed to be going out to battle during a particular time of year, doesn't go out to battle, instead finds himself walking across his palace, uh, on, the, on, the, uh, on the roof of his palace, looks down, sees a lady bathing on the top of her roof. He goes, wow, <laughs> calls her to his bed. She ends up pregnant. In order to hide the pregnancy, um, he eventually brings uh, this lady's husband, Bathsheba, tries to bring her husband uh, in from the battle lines. He, he has honor in his life, refuses uh, to, uh, to sleep with his wife so that David can cover his tracks. David has him killed on the front lines. It's a very sordid story that goes on. David felt like maybe he had kind of made his way through all of this, but then another friend of his, who happens to be a prophet, um, comes, to, comes to David and says, hey, David, let me tell you a story. It tells the story of a rich man, a poor man, a ewe lamb, a traveler comes uh, to the rich man. The rich man doesn't want to give any of his own things, so it takes the ewe lamb from the poor guy, and David is incensed. He is mad that this rich man would do this, and David ranted, 2 Samuel 12, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Unfortunately, in this moment, Nathan loved David enough to tell David the truth. It says that Nathan said, David, you are the man. Do you have a friend in your life who's willing to call a spade a spade, to call out sin in your life? Do you have someone like that? We all need that. Our culture doesn't celebrate that, by the way. In fact, our culture really denies that we need that kind of influence in our life to tell us when we are off, off track, but we desperately need that when it comes to our spiritual life. Many people around us tell us the things we want to hear rather than helping us see the truth. Proverbs 27 says this, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses. From an enemy. So what does friendship look like? How, 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 do we, how do we picture friendship? A number of years ago, uh, when we were still at uh, Calvary Church, uh, there were a couple of guys. Um, it was Pete and Dale, and uh, Dale and his wife Misty, and, and then Pete was a single guy. And uh, uh, they, they became friends. Uh, Pete and Dale became friends. And at Calvary, uh, we captured their story on video. And I want to share with you a story of friendship and their spiritual uh, walk that God kind of put them together over, over a few years. And you're going to hear their story. Turn your attention to the screens.
Morning. Yeah, good morning, Pete. How are you doing today? Okay. Great. <laughs> it's time for us to pray. Is there anything special we should be praying about today? Lord, we lift our church up to you each day. So we met at the altar at Calvary Church. He came forward to receive Christ as his Savior and Lord. Pastor gave that altar call. It was just boom like that. What happened after that is I never left Calvary. That was, what, 37 years ago. The year was 1990, and uh, the Assemblies of God across the country were celebrating what was known as the Decade of Harvest. And since both Pete and I had drawn close to one another because of our relationship with the Lord, it turned out that we decided to become prayer partners together for that year. At the end of the year, we decided that we could not stop praying together. So that means now that we've been doing this consecutively for the past 26 years. And that's seven days a week, 365 days a year, 4.30 every morning. When we first started, you know, he never got up in the morning. So <laughs> I used to tell him, well, you got to start getting up at, you know, like I do. So he started and now he, he calls me. <laughs> <laughs> We pray for our church, we pray for our country, and we pray for our families. But it's not just a habit with us. It's a daily time of having a conversation with the Lord and with each other, and it never grows stale. Even though many things we do are repetitious, it's still that we believe that you pray for it every single day. And God honors it because we've seen so many healings that happen, yes. you know. It all is based on one word, and that word is trust. It didn't happen overnight. Trust is a thing that is earned. I'm at a point now, and Pete's at the same point, where we share things with each other that we would never share with anyone else because we trust each other. Because we pray together. We grow closer. When I go on a mission trip or when he goes out for business like that, it's a time that we miss. We miss each other praying all the time. And Pete and I have grown together in the spirit, which is a very, very important factor in our lives. And it took time to do that. And this is what I've come to believe, that when we pray, we talk to God. But when we read the Bible together, God talks to us. And you do reach down with a healing touch. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Hey, Pete, have a great day. I'll call you again in the morning. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Yeah. That is friendship, right? Uh, Dale passed away uh, last year, and one of the last things that I did at Calvary Church was perform his, uh, his funeral. And we showed this again. We showed it earlier at the church, but we showed it at his funeral, and Pete was there to give some, uh, some uh, response. It was just beautiful to see that kind of friendship that had developed over, at that point, uh, 20, uh, 28 years uh, before he passed away. And uh, to know they pray, they pray 4.30 every... Who gets up at 4.30 in the morning? <laughs> They prayed together, and that friendship was so, so strong. It's just beautiful to see that. I'm going to invite our worship team uh, to, uh, to come on up here as we uh, close out this, this part of our service. There's a scripture verse that says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, 
Don't be fooled by those who say such things. There's a whole conversation going on uh, with Paul and the church there. He says this, for bad company corrupts good character. I remember that scripture verse being plastered uh, towards me uh, when I was just a young, young guy. Uh, you know, over and over again, bad company corrupts good character. Come on, Rich, bad company corrupts good character. Who are you hanging out with? But it's something that we've got to make sure that we are the people that God's called us to be, to be those kind of friends, right? That we're the friends who uh, are able to bring out the best in others, that we're the friends that help others find strength and they grow in their faith and a friend who's able to tell the truth even when it hurts. So how do, we, how do we respond to this this morning? Because there are some of you who are lonely, right? There's some of you who are, who are facing battles alone. Maybe even within marriage, you are alone. And you don't have those close friends that you desperately need in your life. Every eye bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I am struggling a bit with friends because I... I don't feel like I've got those friends that are like what you described. And I don't feel like I'm being that kind of a friend to those around me. And so if you are feeling in either one of those positions that you need to be the friend we talked about today, or you need a friend or two like what we talked about today, can you just lift your hand really quickly? I believe this is one of those practical moments, right, as the people of God that we say, God, we need to be that kind of friend, or Lord, we need those friends in our life. Keep your hands raised for just a moment. Many, many hands raised. I think it speaks to the value of friendships that we desperately need to be partaking in in our lives. Father, you see every one of these hands that are raised. And God, I pray that you would open up the doors, that you would provide opportunity for, uh, for these who have raised their hands to receive friends and also to be the friends that you've called them to be. That God, just like David in his own life, God had friends that called things out in him, God that believed in him when he was down, that caused strength to be in his life, that God told him the truth even when he didn't, didn't want to hear it. God, let us be that to others around us. Lord, we praise you this day. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And we thank you, God, in advance for what you are going to do. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.